Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. This week we are going to continue looking at current issues through social justice lens. Um, and this week we are looking at feminism and how that relates to Catholic social teaching. There is a difference between postmodern feminism and um, what the feminists that started the suffrage suffragettes um when they started their campaigns and um i think what i always think about is i went on a tour of molly brown's house in denver um a couple of years ago and there was a, a protest going on that day and it had to do with reproductive rights and my tour guide said that Molly Brown would be really proud of the women that were at the Capitol. And I didn't say anything then. Maybe I should or shouldn't. But my thoughts were no, she wouldn't have been because Molly Brown was a devout Catholic. And her type of feminism was about getting women the vote, um, putting forth child labor laws and, you know, and, sa and safety for workers women being visible and a part of politics, not necessarily um, women being viewed as the same as men. The, the, I think we've talked about in the previous po uh, podcast about the difference between equality and equity. She wanted equitable rights for women. And I think that that's changed a lot in the modern days where um, women are almost trying to be like men. And we're going to kind of look at that through the social justice lens about how we can still want rights for women without changing what it means to be a woman. The two social justice themes that we will be um, kind of viewing this through the lens of, of would be uh, rights and responsibilities. The Catholic tradition teaches that human dignity can be protected and a healthy community can be achieved only if human rights are protected and responsibilities are met. Therefore, every person has a fundamental right to life and a right to those things required for human decency. Corresponding to these rights are duties and responsibilities to one another, to our families, and to the larger society. And then also the theme of solidarity. We are one human family, whatever our national, racial, ethnic, economic, and ideological differences. We are our brothers and sisters keepers, wherever they may be. Loving our neighbor has global dimensions in a shrinking world. At the core of the virtue of solidarity is the pursuit of justice and peace. Pope Paul VI taught that if you want peace, work for justice. The gospel calls us to be peacemakers. Our love for all, our brothers and sisters, demands that we promote peace in a world surrounded by violence and conflict. Um, and those come from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops website. Yeah, Stacey, you mentioned like the postmodern feminism and the original feminism. And from what I understand, there's like five or six different waves of feminism. And I don't understand any of them. Like, I can't tell you what wave is what wave and what they all mean and whatnot. But I do know that I think you're right that in the current wave of feminism that we have now, it's very much about um, 
I find it to be a very weird dynamic of an ideology that tells you that men are, for lack of a better word, like almost evil, like that they are just they're bad people or whatever, but also at the same time trying to be men, like you were talking about in terms of <laughs> in terms of like shunning, you know, shunning motherhood. Um, in a way or whatever saying that you know motherhood isn't as or raising a home and you know being a part of that family or taking care of that home isn't as important as having a career and attaining those things that I guess more historically men have attained um and I know that when I was going through college I was very much that way like and it came from like and I think maybe it comes for a lot of women it came from being hurt by men and I think as like as, as a general rule people tend to generalize about people so if you're hurt by somebody of a certain, you know, demographic, like, you know, a male hurts you, then you kind of generalize, like, all men suck. <laughs> and that's very much how I felt mm -hmm. about it. But, like, I was, you know, if a man opened a door for me, I was so offended because then that must mean that he thought that I wasn't strong enough to open up my own door. Like, it was, it never crossed my mind that maybe he was just trying to be a gentleman and being respectful. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, so I've I've both I've been on both sides of the spectrum, being a very pro-choice, um, almost anti-man kind of feminist who who I am now, and I don't even really identify as like a feminist. Like I don't see myself as a feminist at all. Do y'all see yourselves as feminists? I do. I do absolutely. And I think if you look, like I think you made a really great point, Stacey. The origins of feminism were about women being given the opportunity to affect public discourse, to have an influence over policy decisions, to be able to play a part and to bring that feminine genius to the managing and growing and building of this country in its early days. And what has what has gone on and originally if you look through history and I said this in a talk that I gave recently if you look through history when it comes to people leading the charge against freeing the marginalized and um, improving the rights for those who don't who don't have rights or or setting free the oppressed women have always led the charge in these types of things and so what feminism was designed to do was to give women the ability to do these good things for society and to bring that feminine influence to bear so that we could send the society in a better direction for the good of others. And what has devolved over the past few decades is that feminism, the public agenda, and that's going to be important that I say that for what I say next, the public agenda of feminism has shrunk to maybe two to three major pillars. And, and, th and it's gone from women being able to have equal say in the public arena and equal rights to women being able to do whatever they want to whomever they want and anyone be damned who stands in my way. Now that is a very different discourse than what the original feminists set out to accomplish or what they believed or what they represented. And I find this interesting because it, this started, this change started to really become visible. It was already happening in about the 60s and 70s 
as media began to become a major culture-shaping power in this country. And I find that very curious and coincidental. Because if you look at media and, and the current feminist agenda, the modern feminist agenda, which centers strongly mostly around um, rights over human sexuality, over a woman's sexuality or her reproductive rights, these two pillars, which generally tend to be with various iterations, abortion and free access to birth control, abortion on demand, birth control on demand are the two giant pillars around which all the ancillary issues circle. And this is the, this is the narrative that has been um, peddled down to us and distilled throughout the country for the last 40, 50 years, maybe even longer. But it's interesting that this started, that this narrowing of the agenda started as media, as, as feminism depended on media to get this message out. And if you notice, media started championing around this in the 70s and 80s and started sharing this information, started distilling it to Americans. And what's interesting about this is that the media is controlled by men, not by women. So if you follow this rabbit hole that I'm going down here, which is very deep and dark, um, of the top 100 companies, media companies in this country, 30 of them employ no women at all in position of power. So basically you have men distilling, shaping, and editing the feminist narrative and then dispensing it. And I don't think it's coincidental that the two pillars of modern feminism, which center around abortion on demand and birth control on demand, are not things that are good for women. Those are things that are good for irresponsible and selfish men. Because men are not being held accountable and they're being told that they don't have that, that well, they're not being told, but when you allow abortion on demand and birth control on demand and you demand that the government pays for it, then men do not have to step up and take responsibility for who they're having sex with and when and what if a child issues from that. So I just think it's really interesting that the feminine agenda in this country is one that is completely and entirely crafted and distilled by men and not by women. And I think that that's really something that we need to wake up to as women and start trying to distill and figure out what we need to do to A, take back the narrative just as women, first of all. And then as Catholic women, we need to do what we're all supposed to be doing in our lives every day, which is bringing the gospel and the magisterium and the truths of the church to bear on the issues affecting our generation. That's why we were born. So now we have to figure out how to do that. How to A, take back the narrative and B, bring the gospel um, to bear on the answer to these real issues that need to be solved and strategized about. Well, and when you mention about how those things benefit men, it also made me think back when we did our uh, body image series about when we talked about uh, sex trafficking mm -hmm. and pornography and how those two agendas help those industries as well. Mm -hmm. And I just think that it's, you know, when we're talking about what's good for women, I don't think that anybody would say that sex trafficking is good for anybody. Mm -hmm. the, those, the type of mentality helps those 
things in those dark areas continue. When we say people should be able to watch whatever they want, who is that really benefiting? Follow the money, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Follow the power. I will say that I think that I think what you just said was very eloquent in what you said, Lauren. I don't think I could say it better. But I will say that I think that it's not just for men who want to act irresponsibly. I think there's also a lot of women out there mm-hmm. who definitely want to be able to, you know, have oh. sex with whoever mm-hmm. they want to and be able to get out of responsibility. And I don't think that there are a lot of I think there are many, many women. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that everybody who has an unplanned pregnancy and or gets an abortion are people who are irresponsible. But I do think that there are definitely people out there mm-hmm. and I've known women before yeah, who they just don't care. And, but um, yeah, I, I, I do find that interesting because when you're talking about like the body image, like that's one thing in our society that has just bothered the daylights out of me. I used to be somebody who like, I would see, I realize this is very silly, but like I would see right. images of women and they, you know, you get attention and you get like the good attention if you're wearing things that are attractive. So like in college, I would wear kind of low cut shirts and I would wear, you know, tight fitting jeans and even high school and stuff like that. And I really wanted, I wanted men to see me and think that I was attractive. I also, this is where the contradiction came in and that I was a very um, oxymoronic kind of feminist. <laughs> like I would get angry with men if they looked at me, right. but I wanted them to look at me, if that makes sense. So and now, like, I I think after becoming Catholic and really seeing what our bodies are supposed to be for and what they are mm-hmm. made for, like, I want to look good for my husband. I don't want other people to think I look good. Like, I don't want to look, you know, like, horrible or anything, but I don't want to try to attract that kind of attention. And I think in our society, I mean, it's it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like, in every TikTok video that you see, like, that I've seen recently of women, it's all about how can I look sexy in front of the camera? Or, like, in movies, it's so much of it is women in the nude or partial nudity or whatever or or something. Like that. And I just find it so sad because we're not just our bodies. And women complain so often about men taking advantage of them and using them. But we are, we as women in our society are putting ourselves out there to be used by men. Whoever wants to use our bodies just for their own pleasure. And just because it's on camera doesn't mean, or just because they're not touching us or whatever, doesn't mean that somebody isn't using us because they're looking at us as a commodity mm-hmm. when we do that to ourselves, when we objectify ourselves. And our, our society is all about objectifying women. And so. I think you made a good point about when you use the word being used. Because there, I think a lot of times when we get, when this type of conversation comes up, some people tune out because they're like, oh, those Catholics are very prudish. Don't they know sex is fun? <laughs> yes, yes, we, we do. do. <laughs> Have you seen our family size? <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, but there's, there's a difference between, and, and we and I think we talked about this too back in our pornography, because there's a difference, there's that line that you cross when you are in a loving relationship with somebody and then you're using somebody and so and that you know right here right there in the rights and responsibilities it says that there's a fundamental right to life and a right to, to those things required for human decency we're not made to be used by somebody you know we talk about human rights all the time 
we talk about child labor and third world countries and things like that. We know at the core that we don't use people because if we're going to show somebody some human decency, then we have to view them as who they are, not as a thing to be used. Hmm. And I want to make a point to um, comment something on like what Alicia said. We're not saying that um, you know if if you have been in an abusive relationship or you you have had a you know something has happened to you and it's not saying that it's because of something you've worn or because you know like want to make a point to say that is not what we're saying here or what Alicia was saying. That's not what she's what what was being meant. Um, by that, just be, you know, having respect for your own body and, and does not, you know, like you, like you were talking about how, like, if you, you know, when you wore a low cut shirt, you were trying to get that attention, but also not, but that doesn't mean if you're trying to get the attention, that doesn't mean like if somebody had like taken advantage that it was your fault. Oh yeah. 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 So I want to just make a point that, that yeah, we are that not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. Cause I have had this conversation with people before when I've said, you know, I don't think that it's, I, I don't think that in, in terms of how women ought to dress and stuff that we ought to be wearing super low cut shirts with like showing off our bellies and you know, whatever. And, but um, we also do not have to short shorts. Like yeah, <laughs> you know, but but and yeah. then they're saying, well, you know, if a man takes it a step further and like assaults a woman or whatever, you're saying it's their fault. No, absolutely not. Absolutely. If yeah. what if if you wear something that is provocative or whatever, you are wearing that thing, and yeah, if somebody looks at you, then they look at you or whatever. Like you are putting yourself out there to receive a certain type of attention. But if a man or whoever crosses a line to actually, you know, acting in a way that is inappropriate mm -hmm. or by assaulting you or whatever, that is his fault. Right. That absolutely 100% is his fault and he ought not do that no matter what a woman is wearing, no matter where she is at night. Like, you can put yourself in a situation that is probably not the best situation to be put in. But if somebody crosses that line, that is their doing, not your fault. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I would take it a step further to let's move the conversation beyond clothing. Yeah. To why are we talking about clothing? This is the conversation that the people curating this message want us to have. We need to stop talking about the things they want us to talk about and look at why we are letting them tell us what to talk about. The question we need to ask is why we're discussing what we're wearing at all and why we aren't discussing why it is that everything centers around what the, how the male responds to the woman. Why is that the conversation when it should be centering around the dignity of women? And I think that's where modern feminist has departed. Feminism has departed from original feminism. The original discussion was about how women can impact society for good, and it has been deconstructed to what women do, wear, say, how they act in public, how they act towards men. And that's what I would like to see shift, to move completely away from what a woman is doing to what we can do to impact society as Catholic feminists and what the narrative needs to change. We need to take it back. It doesn't need to be about what women are doing. It needs to be about what can we do to empower women to do better and to do more? What can we give back to women 
rather than allowing the narrative to be shaped by what we what the media thinks we should talk about or even what books that we read should talk about original feminism was about impacting the world for good and i don't think that any of those women would have reduced it to a man looking at me do you know what i mean like i think that's the problem with feminism today is that it's become so shrunken down and so cut down that it's just this small tiny narrative when really all the real battles are just being ignored like we're talking about, well, we want abortion on demand and we want birth control on demand and we, you know, we want an end to misogyny. Well, that's not going to happen because men are men and we can't control other people's thoughts. But what we can control is the narrative around feminism. I think that um, you made a point there about like when you brought up like, you know, that we're not going to be able to change misogyny. But I think that what's important is like we do like you said we're changing the narrative and changing that um what how can we empower women and men are doing need to be doing the same thing catholic men there are so i know that there are there are so many Mm -hmm. different things for catholic men and and men in general to build them up and that that needs to be happening along with this just our whole society catholics building up our Other other catholics and becoming you know really going back to how God, what God made us for, you know, God made us in his image, male and female. He created them, not he created male. He, in his image, not he created female in his image, but both together. And we, there are ways that we all reflect God and pulling that together and empowering each other to go grow closer to God and to become a more godly society. And I think that's what is reflected and and that's what we should be doing is looking outward toward the same goal Mm -hmm. together instead of discussing the, you know, the little vignettes of feminism. Rather, how can men and women as a society, as Catholic men and women, work together to move the society forward to answer the questions of the generation? That's why I've always been hesitant to use the term feminist for myself because I think it just, it's such a narrowing it, Well, it is if you follow the modern right. definition of it. It absolutely is. Right. I, you know, I try to, you know, I think of, um, like, my relationship with my husband and our family and that I have four boys. Like, I'm not raising up little, you know, little girls. And so I have four boys, but I'm trying to, you know, through our family relationship, show, you know, teaching that equity that we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, and um, helping them to learn how to pursue you know what what it means to be a a true catholic you know mm-hmm. a, a catholic man and to to grow in that and to you know as they are in the future whether they get married or single become priests you know whatever that is um to try and be that example to them and showing you know how we need to live as you know you know that's you know our families are that first society mm-hmm. I, I think you're right i think the whole point is that we are we have become divided over something that never should have divided us right and that we are, are we're trying to rectify some of the sins of the of, of the past against mar- the marginalized and against women in particular but that it's been so reduced to these narrow things where more worthy battles like equal pay and paid maternity leave and all kinds of things like this we haven't made a lot of progress in those. Well, I was the way just, we should have. Well, I'm just going. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it. 
And we haven't made those leaps in the Catholic Church either. Right. When you talk about maternity leave mm-hmm. and... It's everywhere. Um, yeah. When you talk about mm-hmm. child care mm-hmm. and, and these are societal issues. And as Catholics, we should be leading the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've heard my uh, modern feminist friends say, well, okay, you Catholics... Are, and a lot of times they'll use political parties are all about because I'm like no Catholics this but anyways um, <laughs> the, the, they'll talk about how well you're anti-abortion but then what happens to the mom and babies afterwards I said well as Catholics we really need to be supporting mom and mom's I mean you know as the coffee and Catholics I mean we're always posting stuff about willow pregnancy support and things like that places yeah. like that in the Rose home the, those are the things that we should be fighting for as women yeah. to support other women to mm-hmm. build them is. up and to build each other up. And that has been like another theme of this podcast is that we are supposed to be walking with each other on a journey. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean to, you know, throw band-aids at, at things because that's really, when we get, really get down to it, contraception and abortion are ways of avoiding Things. They are not the solution. And the solution is finding the programs and the resources that are needed to help mothers and children and to be successful, to help women find jobs that help their families thrive. Yeah. And, and to provide those jobs, like when you're an employer, yes. to have, like you said, like we should be leading the charge of providing you know, the, those opportunities. And unfortunately, so many times we're not. Well, and I know a lot of times it gets down to insurance and liability, and we can't, we don't have enough time to talk about all that. <laughs> but really, we should be, Catholic facilities should be the first ones to provide on-site child care for their employees. I think that's a great, that's a great point. And it's one of the many ways that we could bring the truth of the gospel to bear on these problems in this generation. That's what we're here for, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, all throughout history, saints dealt with the issues pre- being presented in society and became saints because of how they interacted and became holy in the midst of that society that they were in. So, bringing the gospel to solving these problems mm-hmm. and saying, okay, but why, why is it that these women feel like they have no other choice rather than, well, we can't help them all. Or, well, that's, the, what, that's what they got into. That's their responsibility. Okay, but why is it that you and I don't feel that way, but some women do? Let's address what, what is it that makes her feel that she has no other way out but to kill her baby? Mm-hmm. This is what we have to ask. This is what Catholic, this little circle that I'm circling in this imaginary table that you can't see me making a giant circle <laughs> with my finger. This is the circle Catholics need to come to and bring all of our resources to, to try and figure out how to make abortion unthinkable. A mother that we wouldn't have to do. A mother shouldn't have to worry that bringing another child into this world is going right. to mean that her other children are going to starve. And that, as much as that seems so foreign to some of us, that is the reality 
for a lot of people. And contrary to what the popular narrative suggests, abortion is not just mostly done by irresponsible women. There are no statistics to support that whatsoever, no matter what you may have heard. These, a lot of these abortions are being, are being performed in very poor areas where women are desperate. Mm-hmm. And we have to answer that as Catholics. This, mercy goes to the lowest point, right? And yet here we are. There's plenty of Catholic ministries doing things like mm-hmm. that. And yet here we are, and this is still a thing that we're fighting over as Catholic women. Well, and I think also in this country, because I, I really do think that when we talk about feminism, a lot of times we just think about the American postmodern feminism, and there's a global. I mean, we even have, and I think we talked about this, someone, you know, there are countries who are using abortion to get rid of birth defects and things oh, like that. Yeah. Well, that's here too. And, yeah, and, oh, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, you know, there's countries that say we have eliminated this defect in, 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 in Denmark or Finland. Yeah, mm-hmm. and one of those yeah. Nordic. It was one of it, those. Um, yeah, Scandinavian yeah. countries. And if we start, if we look at this through a social justice teaching lens, and we talk about solidarity, solidarity includes a global community, and, and I know that. That seems big, and you're, you might be going, well, I can't fix the whole world. and But we can do our part in speaking about it. I think a lot of times we just, like, again, like, I, like we've been talking about, we narrow it down to my body, my, you know, my choice. And, and yes, but if we talked about earlier, if you're in another ep- another podcast, but your body, if your body doesn't matter, then sure, do whatever you want with it. But your body does matter. Mm-hmm. And so does the body of a baby in their mother's womb. And so does the body of a child who is starving in another country because they're in famine or their parents can't afford enough food for everybody or they're, they're orphans and they're on their own. The elderly woman who is on her deathbed. Okay, Jesus cares about her body matters. Every everybody's body matters. Okay, yeah. So I think it was yesterday's um, yesterday's mass reading is from Matthew 15, and I'll just read a little short excerpt. It says, "Jesus summoned his disciples and said, My heart is moved with pity for the crowd, for they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, for fear they may collapse on the way." And I was reading a reflection on um, on this Bible reading, and it was talking about how this really um, highlights for us how our bodies do matter because Jesus didn't only care about their salvation right then; mm-hmm. He cared about their bodily Very their bodily much. needs right then. He wanted to make sure that they were well fed so mm-hmm. that they could make the trip home. And so I think you're absolutely right. Like our body is absolutely 100% matter. And when you're looking at it through a Catholic lens, you can see that through Christ's teaching, mm-hmm. just through His humanity right there. Like He he had a human and a divine love for the bodies of those who were he was preaching to. Maybe that's what I think as feminists, because like you said, I do consider myself feminist. And I think that's where it gets down to is that that rhetoric, yes, our body, our body matters. Yes, you should have agency over your body. Yes. But not license. And there is a difference. Yes. And I think that I was at uh, Family for Misha the other day, um, and Father was talking about the prayer, Our Father. It, we were discussing the prayer 
and we're talking about God's will, you know, thy will be done. The creative tension that is created there is that God gives us free will, but that we are to surrender it back to Him. So just because you can do something doesn't mean you ought to do something. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a nice segue into, I'm going to go back to a couple of things that y'all mentioned when you were talking about kind of the demand for contraception and for abortion. And I think really um, in our society and in many countries, like the acceptance and the promotion of sexual promiscuity um, really gives way to that demand. So what what we do with our bodies does matter because it obviously it has consequences. And again, I want to make sure that I'm being very clear with what you said. Everybody who has a abortion doesn't not is not being promiscuous and they're not being irresponsible. Yeah, sure. yeah, I mean, but, a lot of married women have right. abortion. Yes, exactly. And, and, and a lot of people in society. Yeah, and a lot of people in you know monogamous relationships, yeah, unmarried yeah, monog- monogamous definitely. relationships do. Mm-hmm. But I do think, and you know, abortion's been around for a very long time, yeah. even when society didn't yeah, accept promiscuity. Exactly. And so, you know, but I think that the fact that our society, we had that sexual revolution and it mm-hmm. kind of gave way to just consent is all that matters, mm-hmm. then That's a good that point. has really accelerated um, the demand for contraception and abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will also go back to what you said. I do agree with you, Lauren, that we need to be looking at in terms of feminism and like women's rights and there and all of that from a, a wide lens because there's many, many, many different issues. But when I was talking about, um, you know, clothing and such like that, I think that modern feminism, what it says is that objectifying oneself is empowering. That's what it tells women. And so I think that approaching issues of objectification through like clothing and your appearance is actually really important because I think that um, it needs to be said that a woman's worth is not dependent upon her appearance or how many men think she's attractive, but it's dependent. It's, it's just, it's innate in her by the fact that she exists because God created her because she is a child of God. And so I think refocusing the definition of worth is a large part of what we can do to redefine that narrative around feminism. That's good. That's beautiful. Yeah. I agree with that. Needs to be mentioned that like another place that we, are that we really need to be assisting other women and these like when we're talking about um who are who feel like they have no other option are um women who are um who are in abusive relationships and they just like that that desperation of feeling that fear of bringing a child mm-hmm. will will tie them further yeah. into that relationship and just more that another way of you know you know power women are to help that we need to as a society or as a you know as Catholics need to be helping to better see that and to better provide um, support for women who who need to get out of those sort of situations. Well, not only that, but also like not not have a stigma on women who are in abusive relationships because I think it's like the average the average number of times that women leave an abusive relationship before they leave it for good is seven times. That's a lot of times, and a lot can happen. And, and I think that a lot of a lot of times women who are stay in abusive relationships, they get an attitude from other people like, well, you should just leave or, you know, you're bringing it upon yourself. It's so, it's so but it's a lot, it is because there's a lot of emotional abuse in that. And mm-hmm. 
seeing yourself that you're not worth anything more than that and fear and all those different complexities that go into that. So, um, yeah. And abuse comes in so many different, um, like it's a, it's a spectrum of, you know, of what you, what we can see. That's like, you can like Alicia, what you were saying, like we could see somebody like very obviously this is an abusive relationship. Why are you going back? Like we can, there's that stigma type, but then also there's the, the unseen Mm -hmm. and, um, really hearing other women and believing mm-hmm. believing them well i think as catholics too we end up having that additional stigma of divorce um because as catholics we in a sacramental marriage we don't believe that what has been joined together should be separated but there if there's abuse it probably wasn't sacramental in the first place and i think that people need to to accept that so like if some if a woman is stuck in a abusive relationship like you were saying we should be supportive of her taking the steps she needs to be safe for herself and for her children and, and that should be the first thing is are you safe yes right and we have to understand that it isn't the divorce always that breaks the marriage but it is the abuse itself right that makes a mockery of yes. the sacramental union that is what breaks the marriage to begin with so I think we we need to reframe the way we counsel women that are yes. in these situations and this is all I think this is all part of addressing what are these underlying and generations long and even like I, I hate to use a buzzword but systemic reasons mm-hmm. why these things are occurring like can we be brave enough to discuss it, to move past the generalities, because it occurs to me that Catholics don't really pay attention to women unless they're asking us for something. Have you noticed that? <laughs> like, um, and what I mean by that is we only pay attention to women in poverty um, when they are, are about to get an abortion and we want them to not have one. Well, why aren't we talking about their needs before that? Why aren't we saying, why aren't we going towards women in these situations, in these statistical situations that continue to repeat themselves over and over again? Why aren't we going ahead of the game there and trying mm-hmm. to change the narrative for her in her own life? And I think there are um, a lot of, there are groups that are, do, like mm-hmm. there are people that are doing that. Yeah. We don't want to admit, say that there aren't people doing that. Like right. there's some there's- great, great organizations and great people out there who are taking those steps um but as a whole yeah like as a whole we should do it well and i think that we need to do it as individuals we talked about a lot too about catechesis because i think that sometimes what somebody was taught from you know before i think we've we've started to do a better job as a church to get more in depth into what our faith actually means um I don't think it's always been that way. And so it's been hard to break some of those yeah. chains, if that makes any sense. Alicia, I feel like you were trying to say something. We keep talking over you. Okay. Well, and I was thinking about Annie, and this might be just, this might just be me. But when you were talking about um, like women in abusive relationships or, or who have been abused, and you said, you know, we ought to believe them. It was a bit of a buzzword for me, but it made me think about the hashtag me too movement and how everything was all about believe women all the time. Mm -hmm. And I found that so, I don't know the correct word for it, but I didn't have a good feeling about it because I think that in those situations, we ought to take them seriously. Absolutely, 100%. Take them seriously, listen to women, um, make sure to gather all the evidence possible so that if, you know, somebody who has abused them or assaulted them or whatever, you know, can be brought to justice, absolutely 100%. 
get them in the legal system, all that stuff. Um, you know, get the woman to safe. But to just believe women just because they're women, uh, that that was a big part of the, the whole movement was believe believe women because we're women. And I've, I've known women who have said, well, you know, you should believe me because I'm a, I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. And I say, if it happened to you, I am desperately sorry. And it should never have happened to you. And that man should be in jail rotting right now. And you need help and you need you know, therapy and someone to talk to. And absolutely, I am 100% down that for you. But I'm not going to condemn somebody. And I'm not going to say, you know, condemn all these other people just because you said, but um, that's just what it made me think of was that in our society, it's all about believe women all the time, no matter what, because I am female. And right. I well, agree. Yeah, my, my thought is more like, you know, if somebody comes is, is mentioning things that you, you know, you don't just dismiss something and you try, you know, you, again, like I said earlier, your first thing should be, are you safe? Now, yeah. like if somebody could, like whether you believe them or not, yeah. it's are you safe? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that we, you know, in any part, even if even for somebody in abuse, like abuser like we've had a, the podcast before where uh, Lauren has talked about forgiving her abuser and I believe like so thoroughly that that is that we should be reaching out to everybody both sides of a situation whether you say this person should be rotting in jail we still need to be reaching out to them and um bringing them Jesus mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so that so that's absolutely um, well and I think that that was also one of those times kind of like originally the me too movement was supposed to show people that that happens more often than they think right. it that does was the original intent, and then yes. people started twisting it mm-hmm. and i think that's been like the you're talking about the media and anybody like nowadays the media is not just the news it's like it's whoever wants to put I, it's us we're on a podcast right now you know <laughs> you know i mean Believe it's, us. <laughs> it's whoever can get followers to listen to somebody to listen to them and online. And it's a lot easy. We have easy access now with the internet and everything. So I, I, I don't want to also diminish the me too movement because it's original point was to show that abuse happens more often than most people think it does. But I also agree with you that we shouldn't just, I, I was raised with brothers. Boy, girl drama is a lot more. I, it took me a long time to get used to when I started having friends that were girls, getting used to girl drama. And I mean, boys have their own drama too. I was going to say, in my but, house, boys. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's different. It's different. But girls lie, and, and boys lie. The humans lie. Humans, humans lie. lie. And so, I, yeah. so to say that I'm a, well, I'm a girl, so you should believe me. Or I'm a woman, so you should believe me. I, I agree with you that that's kind of, that's. I yeah, I don't think that but, we should believe but, someone on the basis of whether they have a penis or vagina alone. Yeah. However, <laughs> I think that if we, like I, like you said, Stacey, you brought a really good point to that, that we need to to understand the narr- the reason why a movement like that would start. Mm-hmm. Um, because someone, some little girl somewhere, went to her mother and said, this man is abusing me. And that woman did not believe her. Mm-hmm. And this is where we shrink it down for ourselves right now. As women, we need to start believing each other. And that's that solidarity. On a, on a, on a micro scale, we need mm-hmm. to be able to look at each other 
and believe each other when we're saying that we're hurt instead of minimizing each other. This is how we start. This is how we change the narrative. We start by the Me Too movement never would have had to happen if children could come to their parents. This is where it started. Go back and look at all the original stories. It's all about kids telling their parents that someone famous or powerful, or God forbid, daddy, did something to them and mom didn't believe them. Mm -hmm. So as mothers, mm -hmm. as women on a micro scale, when our nieces, when our daughters, when our friends, when our teenage girls in our youth ministry are saying things, we need to go and listen and have the mindset of believing children. This is where it no, starts. Yeah. Children especially. This is where it starts. And so that's what I mean about let's mm -hmm. go all the way back mm -hmm. to why someone started that movement, which I truly believe was probably a good thing at its, mm -hmm. you know, because in Hollywood, I mean, we saw what happened, mm -hmm. how much good came out of the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. A lot of terrible things came out of it too. But look how many um, of these very famous, very established Hollywood directors and actors were exposed for the disgusting and vile mm -hmm. behavior that yes. had, until that moment, nobody thought they could touch them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's always that way. There's always like this flip of the coin where there's this good stuff that happens and there's this bad stuff that happens. But I think unearthing it to down to the practical aspect of how can I change society it's when we look at our daughters and the women that are around us in our generation and we say to each other, I will believe you. I will defend you. Even if it gets somebody really important in trouble. Mm -hmm. Like, do yeah. you know what I mean? It goes back to what feminism originally was. Was that empowering arms. women. women, And arms. I don't mean, if, but like, walk, women walking together. For the betterment of society yes, as yes. a whole, not just betterment for me, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's I when we get down to it in this whole conversation, the modern feminist movement is about me. Yes, absolutely, me, me, me. When the original feminists were about society, the world, the world, they had bigger, and that's what I meant when I was saying that. I did not mean to diminish what you were saying about clothing. What I meant was. Why are we? Why is that our conversation when it's the world that needs women? Mm -hmm. Like the larger picture. That's where we. This is where I say that. Like when we just when we break it down into these little tiny vignettes, we're actually not accomplishing anything. But when we link arms together as women and say we are each other and we have to help each other then this whole horizon opens up. So it's not that that's not important. I hope that it didn't come across that way or be, to be dismissive. And if it did, I apologize. I just feel like there's bigger conversations than what men think about what I'm wearing. Like, and I know that's not what you were saying, but that was what I was responding to. But I understand now when you mm -hmm. clarified what you were saying makes perfect sense. It's beautiful. It's a very important point. And I, I must be an idealist because like, you, you know, Laura, when you mentioned like it all comes down to like, uh, us believing, you know, or, or supported like that when they come to you, I'm like, mm. and what it comes down to me is that we are having a world where it's unthinkable that the abuse happens in the first place, right? right. <laughs> and and raising up our families so that that doesn't happen. Um, but I, I know that's a that my well, ideal. I think it's scary. It's scary yeah. when stuff mm -hmm. like this happens. You know, we know we all know 
what's happened in the church. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that we, you know, it's really scary to see these things come closer to home. And what we want to do is turn our eyes and pretend that, yeah. no, that's not going to happen here. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen to my friend. It's not going to happen to, you know, my friend's right. husband isn't abusing her. That good Catholic man, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Dude, it happens. Mm-hmm. And the more we shut our eyes and the more we pretend that it's not, the more it will continue. It happened in my family. Like, yes. I, I know this. Exactly. Yeah. And, well, and it's yeah. happened to friends. And, you know, we, we have to stop trying to protect right victimizers no matter who they are and that's the song that women in the church need to sing well and in terms of being an idealist like i think it's important to understand that just because you're confirmed in the church it's not like this magic wand that's right (laughs) and all of your sins are erased and you are now a walking saint we are human beings right there's always going to be sin sin. and so it's something that takes work because i know that for me like you know just because i know somebody who's catholic or you know there's a priest or whatever you know, just putting on a program or something. Like, I'm not going to leave my child alone with somebody who I don't know because there's someone I don't know. It doesn't matter if they're Catholic or not or whoever. Right. It's common sense, you know? Yeah. Like, so, all of this made me think of Edith Stein. Well, of course. And, of course. <laughs> and, um, so, in three of her saints, co- yeah, saints, 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 saints that have the cross, a Carmelite. <laughs> um, so, three quotes from her just came to me through why you three were hashing out what you're saying, but um, I'm going to kind of string them together. So, these are actually three different quotes, but. Women, nat- women naturally seeks to embrace that which is living personal and whole to cherish guard protect nourish and advance growth in her natural maternal yearning and a woman's soul this is the second quote and the woman's soul is fashioned as a shelter in which other souls may unfold which brings me to the one that i thought of first the world doesn't need what women have the world needs what women are. I think that go, uh, kind of sums that perfectly, that we're not meant to be used. Feminism needs to stop looking at itself, uh, itself as an individual movement. But feminism, at its heart, is helping the world see what women are. 